0: Hello, 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 Jordan Chardon live a little bit after five o'clock Eastern. Status quo, uh, January sixteenth, Martin Luther King Day, and uh, joining me is uh, Zena Day, uh, independent journalist, um, doing God's work, uh, bullhorn, right?
1: Bullhorn, for gre- bullhorn, a bulletin, yes. Yes. I have the wrong name. We'll
0: we'll promo better uh <laughs> when we have more people. Uh Ty will be joining for your status coup OGers. Uh Tommy bayless will be joining in a little bit. Uh he actually has a tattoo of MLK uh with uh quotes from MLK. So obviously uh he's a great person to talk to today on Martin Luther King Day. Um we are gonna talk about the media's, let's just say, uh, selective representation of MLK's uh, legacy. Uh, So looking forward to Ty joining us in about a half hour. Uh, We got other topics to discuss. We're gonna start with uh, the world's who's who, the uh, global elite who have been restrained for the last two years. They were not able to go to Switzerland uh, in person for Davos. Uh, to, you know, rescue all of us and forge uh, a strong, equal economy. Uh, They were not able to do that. They had to do virtual Davos the last two years. Well, they are back in Davos uh, this year. And, uh, yeah, very interesting, uh, the folks who are meeting with uh, private CEOs uh, today in Davos, swooning. So we're going to reveal some of that. We also have uh, AOC you know, I try not to be gratuitous and just bash AOC for the hell of it. But I looked at her Instagram today and the, what she's putting out there is just so mind-numbing and frustrating and outrageous uh, that we have to address. We have to address and bring the ruckus uh, to AOC. Um, we will uh, definitely, definitely call out the squad when we need to. Um, actually, if you don't know, last week uh, while, uh, who are you on? I'm trying to, oh, is that Ron and Tina? While I was holding my newborn baby on one shoulder, I was going through AOC's Instagram, finding those clips that Ron and Tina uh, responded to. So I've been dissecting AOC's Instagram for about a week. So we're gonna get into, uh, I guess this is something much different than bringing the ruckus uh, to the Democratic Party. What else? What else? We got that MLK. Oh, and um, some promos uh, for stuff that's coming up. Very exciting things coming up, including on the ground reporting uh, that we're going to be doing soon. So look forward to sharing that. Uh, Secondly, we're doing a major major fundraiser uh, weekend in two weekends from now. So Saturday, the 28th and the 29th, 12 o'clock Eastern to 3 o'clock Eastern. Eastern, uh, a lot of rotating guests. Marianne Williamson, Nina Turner, Christian Spalls, Francis Fisher, the actress, uh, Stephen Donzinger. I've reached out to a bunch of other people. Um, Oyeme, uh, I forgot her last name, apologies. Um, Chuck um, Mo- Modi. what's his last name? Chuck Modi. Chuck Modi. Um, so, we're going to have uh, some big names uh, and a lot of other people try to fundraise for more on the ground reporting uh, and cover a lot of great stuff. Zaina will be on. I think Ron and Tina. Uh, so, look forward to that. Put it in and your that's, calendar. Oh,
1: Lemmy Aloran. Um, and oh. she's she's amazing. She's she's an attorney that knows about the Bell bond system, criminal justice system. Um, she's you know, all of these guests, we're going to be talking to them about, you know, what happened in 2023. Also, what looking forward to things in 2024, as well as potentially. Breaking well, we can't up.
0: really we can't really talk to them about what happened in 2023 since 2023 is only uh, 15 days long. But yes,
1: election is already in my brain for 2024 because that's what everyone's talking about so i keep i keep pushing us up a year (laughs)
0: yeah uh yeah it's gonna be fun you know you know the drill we'll talk uh we'll talk politics uh and a lot of other things and uh lastly if you could be so kind we really need you please if you can if you've recovered from christmas and hanukkah and anything like that super chats are really appreciated money has been tough recently uh Hey, you, what you see is what you get. We're still doing on the ground reporting. I gotta, I got mouths to feed. Colin, uh, Zaina, uh, forget uh, Ron, Tina, Kim. Uh, sorry, I I'm up three times tonight now, so my brain's not always functioning. We got mouths to feed, and on, oh, Lewis and on the ground reporting. So please, please support us. Statusku.com/slash/join uh, as a member uh, or leave a super chat. All right. So,
1: oh, one other thing, um also join our Substack for updates cuz we mentioned, you know, the the text, but we're also putting out our regular videos on Substack. We're going to be doing some more in-depth um investigated pieces, maybe on campaign finance and and other things. Um so please check us out on Substack as well and and you can sign up for memberships there also um for for updates and and regular notifications of our videos since those notifications are aren't coming across the Chiron on youtube if you want to hear about them Substack's a great way to get notified about content we got coming up
0: yes and not only can you get original content but you'll get a notification before we're going to go live because you know Zena just sent out an email uh before we were going live so all good things uh, i think that's everything if i forgot anything and share uh share this live stream smash the like button all those good things so Uh, I want to start with this before um, before even getting to Davos. I think this sets it up pretty well. Colin, if you could put up uh, President Biden's tweet, uh, because it's more of the gaslighting on what a wonderful, strong economy we have. So this was Biden, I believe, yesterday. Uh, My plan is growing our economy from the bottom up and the middle out, creating hundreds of thousands of good paying jobs and lowering costs. Uh, Text me. (laughs) at some number so I could keep you up to date on how we're delivering in your community uh Zaina I believe since you've been a part of marketing fundraising that text number is probably just like a text list so that they could send you fundraising requests
1: yep that I mean I don't know I haven't tried it but that's that's usually the 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 gimmick um that I would try to avoid when I did uh marketing for candidates but that is that's that's some of the shady stuff that that's done um and coming from the president's office that's that's just that's a lot um because it almost sounds like biden himself will be getting back to you on uh you know these issues It's, it's a little it's a bit much
0: Yes. Uh, So uh, make sure to text that number and somebody will sniff your hair. All right. Well, this is the actual uh, economy that Biden has left out. I always like showing this chart. Uh, So that's since the 1980s uh, all the way. I think that goes to like 2018. I'm sure it's even worse now uh, than it was in 2018. But uh, yeah, that's the economy uh, Biden's talking about. That's the economy, you know, CNN, MSNBC, See NBC, they like to frame and they don't use this in their labor reports or the Friday job number. Uh, they use the unemployment number, which is kind of, to me, kind of BS. Uh, GDP, the stock market. Uh, as you correlate uh, this, these two graphs, obviously that top line is the wealth going to the top uh, 1%. Uh, the bottom is the rest of us. Uh, we should also note rate of unionization. Uh, declining since uh, the mid 80s through 2020. So it's all correlated. But we I don't wanted- have a
1: graphic for this, but the rate of retirement and benefit packages, along with the rate of unionization has gone down drastically, while the poverty line, we do have a story coming out about this this week, the poverty line has remained basically unchanged. So now people can't get, they they can't get a Medicaid card like we used to be able to for our kids. They can't get grants for colleges. That poverty line is at a level where no one can, an individual makes 13,000 a year, just one person, or if they have a family with kids, 17,000 is the poverty line. Um, And then for a medical card or for help, you have to work. So they, anytime they talk about the economy, just like Jordan just now said, um, they're not taking to, into account that the Bureau of Labor and Statistics only takes data up, for instance, for unemployment up to six months. They don't consider that many of the jobs that are being hired out right now and they say the job market is great. And I'm sure you guys have, are feeling this in your communities. A lot of the jobs that are available in the job market are either gig work or temp work with no benefits and no guarantee with constant layoffs. So there's no job security. There's no housing security. And we're, we're basing whether the economy is doing well or not on how padded billionaires pocketbooks are.
0: But his plan's working. His plan's working, Zena. Don't worry. Yeah, um, he's
1: doing that. Even the squad are giving him an A on this, you know, so.
0: what? It, no, Pramila Jaipal, I think a couple months ago, gave him an A plus. So, yeah, yep. even even better. But uh, I wanted to set that up because as Biden, you know, tries to market his plan. And uh, obviously he's got the classified documents thing going on, which I uh, talked about last week. Uh, the, the, the who's who of the job creators. The so-called job creators are meeting uh, and at the Davos uh, World Economic Forum in the, in Switzerland, uh, having delightfully uh, gourmet chocolate uh, and screwing the rest of us. Uh, this is from CNBC. Uh, Mansion, Cinema, and Chris Coons meet with CEOs at private Davos luncheon uh, for the World Economic Forum. So you all know uh, who Mansion and Cinema are, but Chris Coons. Uh, if you don't know, is kind of like the Senate version of Biden or like the uh, heir apparent to Biden. So when Biden was uh, uh, elected vice president, he kind of blessed Chris Coons to be his replacement. Zena, if you remember, uh, this was the guy who beat the I'm not a witch candidate, uh, Christine O'Donnell. Uh, I think that was her name, Christine O'Donnell uh, back in 2010. So Chris Coons took over for Biden in the Senate. And he is basically Biden reincarnated just a little younger, a corporatist, a friend of the banks, uh, a friend of the credit card companies, uh, but, you know, talks kind of like a a lunch bucket guy. But I thought this was interesting. Let's see uh, a little bit more about these meetings. Uh, U.S. lawmakers quietly took part in a private ritzy lunch atop the World Economic Forum on Monday, featuring dozens of influential business leaders uh, lawmakers in attendance included members of the. US. Congressional delegation taking part in the annual confab for the elite in, uh, and wealthy in Davos, including Mansion, Chris Coons, Kirsten Cinema, and a few members of uh, the House of Representatives. Uh, Republican Governor Brian Kemp also attended. Uh, Coons Mansion and Cinema, and Kemp are among the. US-based officials scheduled to participate in a panel in panels this year. Ah, uh, these private events on the sideline of the World Economic Forum often serve as meet and greets between CEOs, billionaires, and government officials. Coons uh, and Manchin are each separately addressed the crowd of corporate leaders at the lunch. Uh, said one attendee who declined to be identified. Koons discussed U.S. aid to Ukraine following Russia's invasion, while Manchin, who's the chairman of uh, the Senate Energy and Natural Resources Committee called for American energy independence, of course. Uh, Congress passed 40 billion uh, in additional aid to Ukraine last year. The private lunch was held at Hotel, hotel Shouts, which is primarily accessible by riding a funicular or tram up the property, those with knowledge of the gathering. All right, I don't want to nauseate anyone, uh, but these are the who's who in banking, in uh, finance, private equity, big tech, Big Pharma. Pretty much every industry that's screwing you is up in the Alps right now in Switzerland. And Mansion, Cinema, and Coons are having private confabs with them. Uh, I want to just play this clip. This is an author who wrote about Davos. So you kind of know more about what goes on and, and what Davos actually is, if you could play that, cone.
2: What inspired the book is the reality that, as you quite correctly report, we are in the middle of a global emergency. And it's an emergency, I'm of course referring to the pandemic, that has been extended, worsened, intensified by the reality that a handful of people, the billionaire class, the people I refer to in the book as Davos Man, which comes from attendees of the World Economic Forum, you know, this glittering gathering of the most powerful wealthy people on earth. These are the people who have rigged our system so that most of the wealth flows in their direction at the direct expense of everyone else. And I think vaccines are a perfect example. I mean, it's well and good that in Davos they're talking about vaccine inequity, just like they talk about climate change and gender imbalance and systematic racism and voting rights and all sorts of other super important issues about which they not only do very little. I mean, they put out some great reports, uh, but then they go home, these participants, and they commence the battle to protect their privileges, to prevent actual redistribution of wealth. You know, the, the forum convenes under the mantra committed to improving the state of the world, which is a handy phrase that connotes change. These are the ultimate beneficiaries of the status quo. And if you look at the fact that we have frontline medical workers going to treat COVID patients in places like South Asia and Africa while we're boosting children in the United States, you know, that sort of tells you everything we need to know because we've accepted one of the key talking points of Davos, man, that we either affirm the system we've got where pharmaceutical executives get to sell their vaccines to the highest bidder. They monopolize the gains of publicly financed research for their own benefit. And the result is this gaping lopsided distribution that is not only a humanitarian catastrophe, it's a catastrophe even for people in wealthy countries because it's an open invitation to the Omicron variant. We are paying the monopoly royalties for vaccines to companies like Pfizer through our closed schools and disruption to our children's education through death, fear, and hits to economic livelihood.
0: By the way, that clip is from a year ago. so talking about Omicron and all that, that was from a year ago. But it kind of still applies. I mean, basically what he's saying is this whole conference where they have these high-minded grandiose um, uh, conference uh, panels is all smoke and mirrors. And it's just the aristocracy meeting to plan how we're gonna fucking consolidate everything for the next year ahead, how we're gonna rig the system further and make it look like we actually care about the climate crisis you know, global economic equality, you know, yada, yada, yada. Your thoughts, Zaina?
1: Well, you know, I always think when I look at Davos that they're not bringing the regular people in to talk to them or hear from them. They're not ever bringing in activists. They're not bringing in organizers. They're not bringing in people that that handle the crises on the ground. Um, I think, well, since today is MLK Day, you know, and and that's on the forefront of everyone's minds, that his, his quote... Um, We all too often have socialism for the rich and rugged free market capitalism for the poor. That's exactly what Davos is. It's setting themselves up, just like you said, and just like, you know, was mentioned in the video, Goodman mentioned in the video, that they're literally setting it up so that they can maintain their hegemony and so that they can maintain you know, shift the markets. Come together. Price set. Price gouge. What was it? Four years ago, we learned that they were, you know, uh, price setting the price for oil at Davos. Um, so that they're coming together, you know, setting prices for for their market shares to ensure ensure that they make the highest possible bottom dollar line for themselves and you know they they play it off as this is a humanitarian event where they're they're talking about all of these issues that that impact you know the poor people it's it's the ultimate reflection of the inauthentic philanthropic class right Absolutely. they give us a little bit of breadcrumbs in order for us to feel like um they're helping it's it's a PR stunt davos is a PR stunt where on the back end they have a chance to meet talk to each other whisper in each other's ears and make make plans on on how they're going to make how they're going to exploit us the best in uh in 2023
0: Absolutely. And keep those super chats coming. We're going to read them in a little bit. Uh, I want to read from this article because I think it actually sums up what Davos says. And by the way, don't sleep on the fact that Senator Chris Coons is there. The reason I brought him up in particular, he's kind of like Biden's whisperer. I would say he's like an emissary for Biden there. So whatever whoever Chris Coons is talking to, trust me, the people talking to Chris Coons knows that he has Biden's ears. When I say people, I mean the CEO's across all the donors that are talking to Senator Chris Coons they know that he is Biden's BFF he is the senator from Delaware he succeeded Biden uh, I should also mention just so happens cinema mansion Coons you know what they have in common uh, Zaina?
1: big oil big gas um, and and corporate uh, corporate uh, t- ties to uh, ties to a lot of money wrapped up in corporate portfolios
0: correct but also. Uh, this is the, Hill, this no. is the Hill article, Colin. Uh, they are three of the eight Democrats who voted no on Bernie Sanders' uh, $15 minimum wage amendment. You remember that? That's right. Uh, as this. part of the COVID, uh, uh, the CARES Act, uh, Bernie tried to put a, an amendment through uh, that got a vote um, for a $15 minimum wage. And Manchin, let me read them so we could just have uh, this hall of shame. Um, you got Manchin voted against it. Cinema voted against it. Senator Jean Shaheen of New Hampshire voted against it. Uh, Maggie Hassan voted against it. She just won reelection. Uh, she beat the guy, uh, the crazy guy who said that cat uh, kids are going to school dressed as cats and pooping in litter boxes. <laughs> That's who she was up against. So she won. Uh, Senator John Tester. Uh, Senator Tom Carper, another Delaware Uh, So two for two. And Coons and, excuse me, independent uh, Angus King. So, um, yeah, Yeah, three of them voted against the $15 minimum wage, which at this point, let's just be on the record. I don't know your thoughts. To me is untenable. I I don't even think we should bother with advocating for a $15 minimum wage. You can't even live off of that right now, a $15 minimum wage, unless you're in, you know, really – low-income, uh, you know, more rural areas, a $15 minimum wage in most places, you're going to be getting by at the at the real, uh, you know, barely uh, on a $15 minimum wage. The
1: average cost of a two-bedroom apartment is now $1,900 a month. There That's just for housing alone.
0: Exactly. And by the way, even if they got the 15 passed the $15 minimum wage today, which they're not going to, remember, it's staggered. It, it doesn't happen right away. It would be staggered over many years. So if they passed it today, we're 2023, I believe you would then have $15 minimum wage in like 2026 or 2027. So it's completely inadequate. Even when inflation goes down, it's still very difficult uh, to live. But I want to read this. This is uh, that article from Unheard, Colin. How the, da- how the Davos elite took back control. Uh, I'm going to start in the paragraph that says founded in 1971. If you could scroll down, I gave Colin uh, a shift on articles. So I feel bad for him. Um, founded in 1971 by Schwab himself, the World Economic Forum is, quote, committed to improving the state of the world through public-private cooperation, also known as multi-stakeholder governance, also known as privatization. The idea is that global decision-making should not be left to governments and nation-states, as in the post-war multilateralist framework enshrined in the United Nations, but should involve a whole range of non-government stakeholders, civil society bodies, academic experts, media personalities, and most important, multinational corporations. In its own words, the World Economic Forum project is to, quote, redefine the international system as constituting a wider multifaceted system of global cooperation in which intergovernmental legal frameworks and institutions are embedded as a core, but not the sole and sometimes not the most crucial component. While this may sound fairly benign, it neatly encapsulates the basic philosophy of globalism, insulating policy from democracy by transferring the decision-making process from the national and international level, where citizens theoretically are able to exercise some degree of influence over policy to the supranational uh, sup, supra, sup, supra level by placing a self-selected group of unelected, unaccountable stakeholders, mainly corporations, in charge of global decisions concerning everything from energy and food production to the media and public health." So. I'm going to say it in the non-anti-Semitic way because, you know, some people who like to talk about globalists, you know who they're talking about. I don't mean it like that. But this is a cabal of the global elite. It's not just like a three-day conference. They're basically meeting constantly, just not in person. Um, And this is basically the government. I mean, I say we live in the United Corporations of America. It's really the global Corporations of America, and Zaina, I mean, look at what just happened in Brazil. I wasn't on uh, when, during that, but the growing fascism that we're seeing in America, which I think is in ma- in many ways being in- in enabled and emboldened by the neoliberal Democratic Party. I think they are bringing people to that fascism. We're seeing it in Brazil. Uh, we're seeing it in places like the Philippines. We're seeing it in many areas where you have this phony populism that's really just fascism uh, is growing a big audience with people that are disenchanted uh, with government with the elites with pretty much everyone that's meeting at Davos
1: I agree and we we've ha- we've been fascistic this country has been fascistic for a long time we the democratic party are fascist they would have never passed Joe Biden drafted one of the most fascist bills that I can remember, and that is the crime bill. We're going to be talking about that later. And then you look at everything from the Department of Homeland Security, which both parties supported. Um, You look at the corporate hegemony. You know, you earlier you were earlier, I think, in our notes, but I'm not sure if we showed it was how where Chris Coons gets his money and he gets it from corporations. But there was almost a million dollars from leadership packs. But what a, a lot of people think that that money comes from the party, but it's a it's about 200 to 300 different um, political action committees. And most of them are getting the bulk of their money from corporations.
0: Colin, can so- you uh, can you put that one up? It's Chris Coons Top Industries. Yeah, keep going.
1: So when the leadership packs um, donate money to these, these these representatives like Chris Coons, which is almost a million dollars to him, they're pulling the strings. And each of these separate leadership packs sometimes have separate alignments with specific corporations, right? Um, so when you see someone like a Chris Coons or a Joe Manchin that are getting all of this money from leadership packs, they're basically, these people are pulling the strings. They've been telling us that they, People act like it's some shadow government, you know, Illuminati conspiracy that's hidden. But really, I, I watched the movie Glass Onion. I don't want to give any spoilers, so we'll not get into that. But that the premise of the movie is that, you know, it's a glass onion. So it's made to look like there's all these complex layers. But the the center is right there in sight. And I yeah. that's exactly what it is with these corporations. It's not a global conspiracy theory because they're telling us what they're doing. It's not a conspiracy theory. It's right out in the open, right in front of our faces. And it has been for the last 30 years. Absolutely. And I mean, it's been going on longer. It happened before the Industrial Revolution when you you had the Vanderbilt's and the Roosevelt's and, and others who, who had massive amounts of, of money and uh, you know were exploiting workers. We're seeing it again now um, on a global scale as well colonialism never ended um employee employee um exploitation never ended and now we're moving for more and more to the right when we're already right wing the democratic Party is already right wing but now we're shifting even socially um even further to the right and so um that that's you know the right-wing culture wars that uh, tina's always talking about uh, there's always a new boogeyman. It's, you know, m and aren't sexy enough or, you know, migrants are the reason we don't have jobs or the latest, you know, hysteria about the LGBTQ community. So we there's always a new boogeyman to keep us distracted from the fact that they're they're ravaging us and and we are moving more and more into both economic and social fascism every day where we're already there. We're already a fascist country. So people that say, you know, we're moving there. We have been. Um, But but it is it is getting worse. And so that can't be ignored. And both parties are part of that system, in my opinion. Um, They sent Joe Manchin and Chris Coons to Davos. Right. That that came from the party leadership on who to send to Davos.
0: Yeah, totally. And by the way, if you look at Chris Coons, who, again, is basically Biden's like Senate representative, he's replaced Biden in the Senate. They're close. Uh, look at that uh, on his list: Young, Conaway, etc. That is uh, lobbies and loyal uh, a lobbying firm, Skadden Arps, a political lobbying firm, Jane Street Capital, financial firm, Granton Eisenhoffer, uh, financial law, uh, DuPont, uh, <laughs> poisoning uh, quite a lot of people. Comcast owns MSNBC, NBC, Apollo Global Management. Uh, I have the article. I just. Mixed it out. Uh, had to settle, I think, for like 50 billion dollars or 50 million dollars a couple of years ago for financial fraud. I mean, it's just a who's who of lobbyists, law firms, financial uh, hedge funds. Uh, and this is basically Biden's wingman. So, yeah, I think uh, Davos, it c- kind of can seem a little bit like high minded. And how does this affect me? It affects you because this is where they go for their kind of yearly reset on how to screw you. Uh, and the way it's covered is kind of, you know, they do panels. Oh, the climate crisis, by the way, they're all flying on private jets, uh, as they wax poetic about the climate crisis. Uh, and they're a lot of them, it's all spoken mirrors. They'll give to charity to kind of atone for their sins. And then the media will then cover their charity. Like the media covers, Oh, Jeff Bezos did some housing for the homeless people in Seattle. Well, they're homeless because of Amazon. So that's kind of what you're seeing at Davos. I don't, I don't want to. Uh, the
1: latest uh, controversy with the gas with gas stoves. Yeah. You know, whether you're electric or gas right now, you're burning coal to light mm-hmm. our home. Right. You know, um, it's, the, it's the same electric car argument and also talk about a way to alienate poor people when. The electric bills in some places are so high that gas is the only thing people can get to affordably heat their homes, especially in rural areas, um, and to keep their appliances running and, and to live. Um, but this is what the out-of-touch Democratic Party and Republican Party elites and even the progressives want to talk about. AOC was just talking about this yesterday, and I'm like, you really want to wade into the yeah. gas stove controversy? This is this is Band-Aid, iron, Rand Rugged individualism, um, environmentalism, when it's the corporations that are doing the polluting, they're the ones that are dumping, you know, billions and billions of pollutants into our atmosphere, into our lands, you know, through um, through these pipelines, into our oceans. We can only make a small dent as individuals, but these corporations are the ones that have to be held accountable. And I feel like anything else is a distraction from that fact. And Davos is one of the places that this messaging comes from.
0: Right. Absolutely. Uh, I want to bring in Ty cause you know, he'll call me names if I make him wait. Uh, <laughs> my man, Tommy Bayless on the mic. Uh, That's how you doing? You. Uh, Tommy Tahifi Bayless, uh, the, one of the OGs of status coup, uh, was there, uh, with me on the ground in the early days, uh, and kind of occasionally a host here on status coup when he feels like it. Um, Happy <laughs> Happy New Year, my man. Happy New Year, player. How you feeling, dog? Uh, I'm tired. You know, I'm up three times a night with a newborn, but it's all is this,
3: love. Your, is this your first week back? This is my first day back. It's your first day back? Yeah. How you feeling? New father? Every time I call you, bro, you got your baby in your hands. It looked like you baby feeding. What's your wife over there doing?
0: She's together. all day. I hope she's not watching. She'll smack know. you She knows. She knows I, know I love her. She knows yeah, I love her. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I wanted to, we're going to have you on, uh, uh, talk about the media lies about MLK, but first I know you have a feeling about AOC and, uh, we need to get into AOC a little bit because I feel, uh, Zayna, we've talked about this off air. Listen, it's kind of sport now on YouTube on the left to just go at AOC. It's not just her. There's a lot of others, but she's the easy target, uh, I try not to, unless I actually feel there's a reason to. I mean, it's, it would be easy to do it every day, and it would be good. For Why is she an easy target? Because she has the biggest following. Because she's the one that said, you know, I'm going to bring the ruckus to the Democratic Party. She gets the most attention. So that and part. she Let's and
1: she that makes that part herself right one
3: by what she does yeah. by her actions. I was I would say that part, the things that she was saying before she came in when nobody was right. paying attention to her. Remember, we gave her her first interview. Yeah, we first interviewed her at net net. Something. Net roots. Net roots. First yeah. time that she got that she got on. We we did that. I so. set
1: that interview up, Ty. Yeah.
3: Say again.
1: I set that interview up, Ty. Oh, did I'm you the really? Press director, and I wrote her messaging and her speeches, and I was coaching her on
0: and let's what just more
1: dr- people need back then. Let's <laughs> just
0: let's just let's pull the let's pull the curtain back. Cause totally. at the time, at the at the time, Zana, you were with uh, brand new Congress, right? And I don't know if it was you or somebody said to me, Yeah, she's really pissed because she's not getting enough interviews here at Netroots. So, you know, even then, before she was a a big name, uh, there was a little drama. Anyway, um, last week, uh, we covered she was basically reacting to the House Freedom Caucus holding Kevin McCarthy uh, hostage, like 15 rounds uh, for the speaker vote. And most people on the left, not that they agree with those Republicans, but agreed with the strategy. Wow, they're actually like showing some spine taking the heat, taking the media heat, taking the heat from the republican leadership and they're holding no no prisoners to get concessions and they got some serious concessions. Well, AOC, uh, we covered her response to that which was kind of like a scholarly, you know, let me sit you down, kiddo, and explain why that's that's not the way of going about it. So, that's maybe that's, we'll...
3: that's the cold part right there. I think That's the same reason why motherfuckers had their feelings when um, they were doing a protest for uh, uh, Amazon and she didn't show up until all the cameras was there. When they was trying to reach out to her a long time, you can't just pop that shit as if you're that person that's going to ride for us no matter what. Like the people matter more than me being in this position that I will get fired by riding for y'all. If she didn't put that out there, no one would have that expectation. This isn't unrealistic. This is what she said. Now we hold it to her word, but now she's she's friendly. She didn't it got Tiki in her TQ. TQ. district, huh?
1: Chris Smalls was in her district. They were fighting in her district too. So it's not like they were asking, and she should, but it's not like they were asking her to grow across the country. They were asking her to come and support labor in her district with the constituents she's supposed to support.
0: And can I just say? It- Can I just say, I am asking you to press that goddamn like button. Uh, We got almost two hundred people watching, but not enough people have pressed the like button. Come on, y'all, get it together! Please smash that like button. Share this live stream. Super chats are appreciated. So, Ty saying, I want to play this. Yo,
3: here, press the like button. Let's go up.
0: Look, and Ty, Ty, if he feels like it, is going to host Wednesday, uh, six o'clock Eastern. Wednesday, six o'clock.
3: Okay. Yeah. It's going to be Tuesday change. or Wednesday. We've got to see the schedule. It's going to be Wednesday,
0: 6 o'clock. So, uh, AOC, I looked at her IG, and I'm kind of expecting – I don't know. I'm not expecting her to, like, call for the revolution. Obviously, she's not doing that. But I'm kind of expecting, I don't know, something useful when she does IG videos. Colin, let's play this. I, I headlined it Birds and the Bees. To be clear, it's not like that. I just – called it because it's kind of lecturing. But let's play this Wait, clip. birds and bees? That's a yeah, dumbass never... title if she's not
3: talking about that. That's what everybody's going to think. You crazy. Go ahead. All right, well, you know, I'm tired and
0: whatever. Anyway, um, Ty, listen to this, and I want to get your reaction and Zaina's reaction if this is what you're expecting okay. uh, she was going to be doing.
4: So let's talk about how members of Congress get assigned to their respective legislative committees. Now, in case you don't remember from your schoolhouse rock days, the way that a bill becomes a law uh, requires a bill to be referred to a house committee. So let's say you submit your bill, it gets submitted to that committee. If it passes the, the, if the bill passes from its committee, then it can go to the full house or the full Senate for a vote. The committees range from a wide uh, amount of topics from science and, te- and technology to education and labor, financial services, ways and means, energy and commerce, house oversight, or etc. There's a lot and the selection process is internal. A, there's a specific committee, the first committee is known as steering and policy. And each political party has a steering and policy committee that is comprised of members who decide and ultimately sometimes vote on which members get assigned to other committees. So it's a highly internal process. Now, of course, that begs the question how do you get on that first committee, the steering and policy committee? And each party has their own rules, but it usually comprises the leadership of each individual party. So the committee chairs of each. Committee, for example, are on steering and policy. Now, internal decision making means internal politics, and committee assignments can be highly subject to internal politics. Uh, and that doesn't mean the kind of external politics that you see on TV. In fact, a lot of these poli- a lot of that politics plays out a view from public sight. But some of the things that are considered in that internal politics.
0: Okay. Uh- I can't really take much more of that. Uh, you guys first. Is, is Did that get you excited that the ruckus is coming, that scholarly lecture on how you get a committee seat?
3: You can go first.
0: Zaina, you go first.
3: Zaina, I'm sorry.
1: You You cut it off at the point <laughs> she goes on later to tell us. She literally tells us why holding a vote for chair can have an impact and how you can do that to get concessions, to get committee seats. A little bit of history that people don't know. In 2018, when I was working, well, people, you know, everything changes every 15 minutes, right? So we, we often forget about things that happened before. But in 2018, going into 2019, in November of that year, brand new Congress and a few other organizations nominated Barbara Lee to be Speaker of the House when she was running for the head of the the DNC. Remember that? And instead of putting Barbara Lee in, they put uh, Jeffries in, who they now made Speaker. So they already had him set up because they always got their picks, right? Of course, they weren't going to put Barbara Lee, you know, who's against the AUMF and is against the crime bill. And, you know, she actually does decent things sometimes, but she does bend to the party whims, too. Um, but they weren't going to put her as the head of the DNC or they and they didn't like her being nominated. But outside pressure came in and 23 people held the vote on Pelosi that year. Twenty three, 23, you know, progressives or, you know, um, Democrats held the vote on Pelosi. You know what happened? What happened is um, AOC was put on the Committee on Oversight and Government Reform and the Committee of Finance Services. Ilhan Omar was put on the Committee on Education and Workforce, House Committee on Budget, Committee on Foreign Affairs. Rashida Tlaib was put on the Committee on Oversight and Government Reform and Committee on Finance Services. Now, that first year in 2019, they brought some heat in those committees. They actually made watching C-SPAN kind of interesting for a bit, right? Because they they were holding big pharma accountable, they were doing some good shit, um, which now went once Biden won all that was off the table, right? And we haven't seen anything since then, it's been nothing from them except for Biden gets an A plus and let's tow the party line. But at that point, they were still doing some of that work, whether it was, you know, pageantry or not, I don't know. But I just know they were doing that work. So we proved in 2019, that holding a vote, Works. The forcing a vote works. They got concessions in 2019. People never talked about the fact that it just happened the session before. And the concessions were made. So then AOC at the end of this goes on to basically, this whole thing wasn't, I I liked when she first got in and she was teaching people how it works behind the scenes because no one talks about that. But this wasn't that. This was her using this to make some damn excuses for why they were kissing Jeffrey's ass. And exactly. why they were throwing the party line. Exactly. You go ahead, guy. That's it, makes no, me I, so angry. I was, I, was
3: just, I was just about to ask you, uh, um, is this because I remember her always being on live initially when she first got in the office, but I, I didn't, I, I did remember her teaching a few, but I was about to ask that question. Is this what she normally did when she went live? It would make sense, but to me, it seemed like this was an excuse. You're trying to justify why, and there's no justification unless you. But I mean, the only justification really is just that you want to keep key. You didn't got close to Nancy. Y'all cool now. Everybody's good. It's human nature. You get close to people that you don't like from a distance. They may turn out to be good people. They may have fucked up policies or whatever. And that's what you did. You wasn't you. You didn't. You didn't keep your main goal in mind, which is to ride for your constituents. And, right. and it, it's exactly an excuse. That's ex- that's all it is. You're trying to explain yourself because. uh you feel condemned, like she feels condemned. And she's trying to save face to act like, well, this is what has to happen. No, nah. you're trying to have a career in there. You're trying to do what Nancy did and be there 20 or 30 years instead of riding it out. And if your your constituents, you're riding for your constituents. So you can get put in office. You remember, they the D, the, the DCCC didn't fundraise for you. Idiot. They didn't want you in there initially. So you don't need to worry about them and who you need to be friends with.
0: I will also uh, add, uh, if you you don't know recently, just how things work, Hakeem Jeffries, who just became uh, the majority leader for the Democrats, he'll be the speaker when Democrats retake the House. He promoted uh, Pelosi's top advisor to lead the super PAC for the Democratic House. So basically, passing the torch just meant Hakeem Jeffries hiring Nancy Pelosi's top aide to be the chief fundraiser. But I digress. Here's I got several problems with that little monologue that AOC gave. Number one, I don't fucking need you to explain to me how committee assignments work. I don't even I know how it works. But even to someone who doesn't know how it works, that's not why people knocked on doors for you. That's not why people volunteered for you. That's not why people gave you money. That's not. And I know because I covered it. She, she had. I mean, you're talking probably thousands of like 18 to 23 year olds knocking on doors for her in Queens. They didn't support you for like. A, uh, what's that video that we watched in school? How, uh, How I'm just. Do? I'm okay, just a bill.
3: A, a, what is that? Do it yourself? A D. A D. Y. I. No. Video? Yeah. It's the. I'm oh, just yeah, a bill.
0: Yeah, schoolhouse rocks. I'm just a bill. I'd show it, but we'd probably get copyrighted. Uh, nobody like nobody enlisted you to uh, educate us on how things become a bill or how you get a committee assignment, this and that. What you should be doing, and we'll get uh, we'll get to uh, their refusal to force the vote in a second. What you should be doing is you should be doing IG videos on how people could organize in their community economic boycotts. What you should be doing is how people could organize in their community mutual aid. What you should be doing, because you sold yourself as an activist, what Mm -hmm. you should be doing is how people can organize now, uh, and you should be elevating uh, stories like the one we covered last week, Tyler Lewis. I don't know if you know about that, Ty. Uh, All the attention right now is on the Idaho students that were uh, killed. Uh, Killed, yeah. yeah. And they they should, you know, obviously that should get attention. There's a 19-year-old black student at Buffalo State College was stabbed to death uh, in October, a pa- the, the, uh, the district attorney told his mother, stop calling. The campus, campus police, police,
2: the yeah, campus Arnie.
0: police is investigating. They won't give the mother any answers. This is a 19 year old black kid stabbed to death. I think they know who stabbed him to death, but all the white kids lawyered up. No media coverage. No, nothing. That's in New York. I'm not saying it's all on AOC and she needs to do everything, but you have a massive platform and you're using your IG videos to explain to us in the weeds, intricacies of how how, to, how people get on a committee. And you're right, Zayna, I probably cut it off before she twisted herself again uh, to make excuses about why they're not uh, making demands uh, of the Democratic establishment. And my, my other problem with her and the squad, it's not just about that they're not willing to hold out their vote they're not willing to play hardball that is a main problem but my other problem i kind of similar to bernie uh, similar to obama who we all got hoodwinked by they all build these massive organizing networks and you know zena cuz part of your job in the past has been tapping into those organizing networks obama built at that time in 2007 08 the largest digital organizing network in the country, and what did he did? He sold out to Wall Street, and he left that network just at you know at the altar. He didn't tap into that. Bernie, uh, you know, we all could have our criticism of Bernie. I I don't throw the baby out with the bathwater. I appreciate you, you what threw he it has out with done. Obama.
3: You threw it out with Obama. Throw it out. He was a, he's the sucker too. He wanted no, to be friends Bernie, with everybody. We're that's, not why, gonna compare that's why, Bernie, Bernie, to that's why Obama. Bernie didn't go against uh, Biden because he wanted he wanted to be friends. He didn't want to say Biden talking about him all day. He wouldn't say, "That's my friend." Every time before I say something, we've been friends for thirty years. Knock it off. Yeah, gonna but do it, gonna objectively, do
0: it objectively, you can't compare Bernie to Obama. It's not I'm even just saying, in the same you, universe.
3: We're talking about selling out, bro. That's what yeah, we're talking no. about.
0: I, I I think Bernie. I Both think Bernie. Sold out in I ways. think Bernie has left his movement essentially at the altar. And what I mean by that is Bernie said, hold your nose, vote for Biden and we'll fight him on day one. That's what he said. We'll fight him on day one. We'll we'll fight to move him him left.
1: Biden left, even though he said nothing would fundamentally change. And then they all fell and towed the party line. There's a little bit of numbers that I took down before we started. AOC's talked about Medicare for all in 2022, two times. Two times. You know what she did when it came to immigration? She said that Biden was better than Trump. And he is he has um, evoked Title 42. The border is no better. He's still separating families. You know, he's still following that Obama deporter in chief mantra. Nothing has changed on the border. He is no damn better. And now he's blocking out people from coming in from Nicaragua, Nicaragua and Haiti, which we're on the ground ravaging right now. And there's no she's not even she's not said a damn word about any of this. Um, and she's only she's not she's reeled back on abolish ICE. Now she's saying ICE might be necessary. But um, so she's completely she's completely abandoned her fundamental principles that got her into office and the policies and platforms that she ran on knowing that that Queens what got her into office in the first place is it is the lowest voter turnout anywhere in America you only she only needed 16,000 votes to win. Most of my candidates needed like 125,000 to win. She only needed 16,000. People don't show up at the polls, so she can kind of skirt through. You know, because I, there's less there's less heat on her and she's she's just towing the party line. But Bernie's so, on the party line. They're all towing the party line.
0: But to me, separate from separate from their unwillingness to force a vote. Well, I'll get to that in a second. The problem is, you know, when she did her little thing uh, protesting at the Supreme Court when they overturned Roe v. Wade. OK, yeah, nobody's going to criticize her for that, but that's easy. Why didn't you tap into your, whatever it is, 15 million Twitter, I don't know how many she has now, but close to 14, 15 million. Why didn't you you tap into those millions of followers on Twitter and Instagram? And obviously uh, the squad would follow her when uh, Biden backed out of a $15 minimum wage using the parliamentarian as a bullshit excuse. They could have been in front of the White House. uh, That was still during the worst of COVID, uh, g- uh, grassroots activism, and they would have thousands of people there uh, supporting them, agitating Biden and the White House to say, "Fuck the parliamentarian." Trump fired the parliamentarian. It's not an elected position. You ran on a fifteen-dollar minimum wage, and you need to deliver. They could have done that, and they chose not to. They could have done that, and I blame Bernie for this too. A lot of people don't realize, and I'm I'm not interested in getting into a debate uh, w- about COVID for those of you in there who you know think it's over. But to take the patent from Moderna and Pfizer, he has the emergency health powers because we funded uh, the we funded the research that led to those vaccines. We could have uh, Biden could have taken over uh, the patent and distributed the formula around the world, which would have uh, not only saved millions of lives, but also stopped more variants from spreading and prolonging this pandemic. He won't do it because he's bought off by Big Pharma. The list goes on and on and on. You want to talk about police reform? He ran on police reform. They literally immediately neutered down the bill to get rid of qualified immunity. She could have uh, raised uh, the roof and got activists out for that. And not only is it morally right, it's effective. One of the first things she did as a Congresswoman, I think even before she was officially a Congresswoman, she joined the climate activists protesting outside of Pelosi's office. She joined that protest and she got media attention for it, uh, got momentum and Pelosi must've given her-
1: committee seats.
0: And committee seats. So the point is forget that this is like the right thing to do, this is what you rat on. This is what's effective in politics. The Freedom Caucus just showed you. They 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 got actual concessions for holding them hostage. But the reason, Zena that she doesn't want to do it, and Ty, the reason she doesn't want to do it, it's very simple. And we saw it uh, at the end of last year. Remember, for a short time, the Progressive Caucus uh, did hold the line. They refused to vote for the bipartisan infrastructure deal, which was just a privatization scheme. It's not really, I mean, literally is, selling our water sewer systems from public utilities to private corporations, but they held the line for months. They wouldn't vote for it until, until that uh, the, the Build Back Better plan was voted at the same time. Uh, then when Terry McAuliffe lost the governorship in uh, Virginia, had had nothing to do with the squad. It had nothing to do with progressives, but the media created this facata narrative that, oh, it's because they didn't pass – the bipartisan infrastructure deal. That's why Terry McAuliffe, by the way, a fucking uh, the best friend of the Clintons. That's why he lost to Glenn Youngkin. It's not why he lost, but the media started raging against the squad. They started, uh, you know, the progressives holding out. That's why uh, he. Lo- that's why the Democrat lost. They felt a little bit of pressure and they folded like cheap tents. So at the end of the day, yes, I know
1: them, Jordan. That's not. That's not fully it, but a little bit. <laughs>
0: Oh, tell, me, tell me, Go tell me, tell me what I got wrong. Go ahead. Pop your shit.
1: Y'all want to know my secrets? <laughs> I'm yeah, yeah. here. You know, there were, there were some people that was real who ran Anthony Clark in Illinois. He was real. Anthony's a real organizer. He was real.
0: When you, know, you say, I, I just want to explain for the audience. When you say run, you mean ran as justice Democrats.
1: Well, as brand new Congress. Cause I, okay. well, Brent, there's a difference. Justice Democrats handpicks their candidates. They started a super PAC in 2019 Or 2018, brand new Congress and Justice Democrats split in part because we didn't want to have a damn thing to do with super PACs. I mean, that was supposed to be the mantra. Of course, brand new Congress has fallen away from our original promise to hold people accountable. But the way that brand new Congress worked is these candidates were nominated by their communities to run, and we would screen them and bring them in. Anthony Clark had something like 42 nominations because he was a school teacher and he ran a, um, He ran mutual aid network there called Community. Um, But AOC was handpicked by the Justice Democrats. I found that out later. She always wanted to be in politics. I wrote her bio, and she didn't tell me when I wrote her damn bio when we were launching her campaign that she worked for Ted Kennedy. She kept that on the down low. Wow. She wanted to say that she was a small business owner because she partially owned the damn bar. And I was new to this. So, you know, I was still learning. And when I started figuring things out a couple years later, I was like, what in the holy hell? But my gut wasn't right about her. I'm going to tell you that because I'm poor. I'm from Appalachia. You know, I get that. I get that feeling of when people are bullshitting me or they're neoliberals, you know, talking down to me and stuff. You guys know what I'm talking about. Mm -hmm. But she um, she hid the fact that she were she partially owned the bar. She told me this herself. People have said they haven't been able to find it. I'm just going by what the hell she told me. She told us that she partially owned it and corbin trent told her he said say that you're a bartender and i'm like wait a minute i was a bartender for 15 years and a server there's a difference he also said say you're from queens don't mention that you went to a private school that you lived in the burbs so here they were car- wait, wait wait hold on you
0: got a corey bush that damn was- zaynab's got the dirt carne verde says
1: <laughs> when you got a corey bush that was actually homeless that you know had the had the police boot on her head in in Ferguson when she was an activist there.
3: I Corey went to jail with the her. Real
1: deal, huh?
3: I went to jail with her.
1: Did you? I, lo- I love me and Jordan. Me and Jordan. Did you both?
3: Yeah, yeah. We went to jail he- with her. Yeah, I spent a lot of time with uh, Corey.
1: I don't know what happened to Corey. You know, the la- I, I worked with her for five years. We were friends. I love her like as a person. And then I saw her at the Capitol steps when they were congratulating Biden with that weak ass 90 day evictions moratorium when Corey had a badass housing as a human rights bill rolled out. Um, she gave me political speak up there on the hill. She had handlers around her. I What I see happening is these people get into Congress there's people on the back end that tell them this is for the greater good. You can play ball and make things work for the greater good. They and then you've got others like an AOC who just wants to be in politics. She just always she always wanted to be a politician, you guys. The bringing the ruckus, that other stuff, a lot of that was theatrics. I know cuz I wrote the scripts. I wrote what to say i'm the one who Zana. wrote the messaging as someone who's poor
0: Zena, why didn't you tell me this shit i would have made the headline a little sexier this is sco- good <laughs> this is scoop after scoop you, you lay in the dirt Sorry. no i think it's important though because you uh for those that don't know for those that don't know Zena, you were with brand new congress uh and brand new congress and justice democrats were kind of sister organizations for a bit They were
1: conjoined PACs, but then we did the PAC split when they created the super PAC, because there was a split there. Justice Democrats wanted to focus on Democratic Party reform. The brand new Congress people didn't believe that the Democratic Party could be reformed. We believed in like you know, running independence, running, you know, um, some people had to run as independent under their name, but we really at the time wanted to run a lot more independence, we wanted to run third party candidates, we wanted to throw a wrench into the system. So there was the reform versus the fuck it all, let's throw a wrench into the system, let's get regular people nominated that have no political ties. Those were the two differences. So Justice Democrats was more along the lines of kind of playing political ball. And BNC at the time was wanting to raise hell and and do like we we launched um, the Medicare. We helped launch the Medicare for all, the very first Medicare for all campaign in 2017. Then we launched the Abolish ICE campaign, if you guys remember that, um, and helped bring that nationally, which is one of the campaigns that I helped lead. So back then, there were still, you know, our rev was still pretty salty sometimes, you know, and then you had Indivisible that could be pretty salty sometimes. BNC was pretty salty sometimes. All these orgs have caved to the party when the squad caved to the party. And, Jordan, you know, because you covered it. I did a protest at AOC's office in July of last year or year before last where, you know. Oh. Did the, she uh see you? Huh?
0: She, she wasn't there. You? She closed
1: her office, but I was also one of the first to call her out for giving money to corporate dens, which she then unfriended me on Facebook and uh, Twitter, which is fine.
0: That's why I love I had
1: had pundits, I won't say who, messaging me in the background saying that me and Eva Pitsover were dividing the left because we exposed her giving money to corporate candidates. How are you going to give money to corporate candidates when we're trying to primary them and get them out of office? What the hell are you doing? That's a lie. If you're That's saying you're anti-establishment and you're giving all this money to corporate dens. I know it was
0: crazy? Can I just ask Zaina, because uh, for the people that somehow claim that this channel or I am a stand for AOC, uh, who was the only journalist covering that protest at AOC's office? that
1: the one that Susan Sarandon was at and we had like, Chris was at and others. It was, uh, you, (laughs) it was status quo Was the only people there.
0: Yeah. Anyway, go on Ty.
3: (laughs) You are a special human being. Um,
0: what was I saying?
3: (laughs) What was I saying?
0: (laughs) What was I saying? I forgot. I don't know. I can't read your mind. She was saying, uh, I mean, at the end of the day, listen, we could talk about force the vote and, and, Oh, oh 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 look oh, go ahead I was going to say that what you said that uh some um
3: uh leftists got at you about as far as like dividing the party you know, this is this is the craziest thing i feel like about like the left and that's that the same shit that they argue the right about they do like as extreme as they try to say the right is, and I'm not trying to say and even some of the violence, but not even that. But that part right there, hiding shit. Oh, don't say that. Don't tell them that, cause it's gonna mess us up. The motherfuckers shouldn't be doing it. Don't. Isn't this what she believe in? What do you mean? Don't bring it out. Why? You should want it out as much as I do. It's a, it's crazy to me, like the hypocrisy with both with both sides. They both. Or get mad at each other, but they do the exact same things. It probably probably look different, but the intentions behind it are all the same, man. It's crazy.
1: They vote the same, too. If you look at the squad's votes, you know, you look look on the economic votes at the end of the day. Occasionally they don't, but you'll see that so many, you'll see almost everyone in the Democrat and Republican parties at the end of the day, they vote on that ALEC legislation that comes across their desks. They, You know, you've got AOC who voted on the Iron Dome funding. Remember, they're all voting to fund this proxy war in Ukraine without any accountability of where the money's going. All of them.
0: Last thing I'll say before we get into uh, Martin Luther King Day, I, I, I have a major problem that they won't um, force concessions. Um, and I was for forced to vote. I mean, I, I was I was for it then. Uh, we covered the rallies uh, in D.C. It wasn't a lot of people, but it was like, you know, still very bad in the pandemic. Thousands of people dying a day. Uh, but we covered it. And I still believe in it because it's not like a radical concept. If you look at like the United Kingdom, for example, like parliamentary systems, it that's just the way business is done in their governmental bodies. The, like certain wings, different ideologies within parliament uh, hold their, you know, refuse to vote for certain things unless they get concessions and there's negotiations and they hold out their vote in, until they get X, Y, and Z. This happens in Great Britain, in France, in other countries. That That's basically what people were asking for. There's still time for them to do it, but it wouldn't be as effective now because the Republicans obviously have a narrow majority. It would have been effective when the Democrats had the narrow majority. And uh, I believe the Democrats' majority was only four or five votes. So the squad plus Jamal Bowman, Corey Bush, Rokana, Khanna, uh, Pramila Jayapal, Mark Pocan, they they actually could have held up anything, anything they wanted for two years. And you want to know something? I'll take, uh, i you know how to make a marketing campaign. I think you could make a hell of a marketing campaign and have a competing message for the media that's going to call you terrorists when you're saying, yeah, we're holding up the vote for healthcare. We're holding up the vote for a living wage. So take that and shove it. The people will be behind it. But as much of a problem as I have of them refusing to play hardball uh with the vote, I have a bigger problem that they have basically deserted their activist roots because there is a whole, like uh, we're talking 40, 50 percent, I believe, of the Bernie movement, whatever that is today, that yeah, they're pissed off at the squad, uh, for good reason. There a lot of them are pissed off at Bernie. But they're deflated and they're looking for leaders to send them the bat signal, to tell them where to go, to tell them where to be in front of the White House, the Capitol, uh, you know, protests around the country, whatever the issue is. And I even think some of them would put past their disappointments, but they have chosen to basically leave their activism and just abandon it altogether and therefore abandon the activist community in the left because they could be leading protest on a variety of topics. They could be a decade ago. There was continual protests outside Wall Street, Occupy Wall Street. That didn't that that happened without uh, seven or eight theoretically progressive congressmen. Okay, so they have abandoned the activists on the ground. Uh, Bernie too. He still has a network that if he said show up, we're going to protest Biden on X, Y, and Z. Uh, of course, protest Republicans on certain things too, because it's not just dem- Democrats. They're they're basically. They've deserted the, the left and the, the need for activism and protest uh, and basically to get committee assignments and give fucking boring lectures on how to get a get committee assignment and why Dem- you guys covered it last week, why it's important that the Democratic caucus be united. It's It's absurd. And I would say, you know, I'm a journalist, so I say vote however you want, but I would expect... If, if they don't change, they're going to face actual primary challenges sooner, like from the left, not just like the Democratic Party trying to throw corporate candidates against them. I think they will face at some point um, real leftist primary challenges that are, and I think we need to do a better job as a progressive movement of vetting candidates, not just that they don't take corporate money, which at this point is, is, is obviously a must, not just that they share the policy values, but that they're actually have a strategic plan to exert power once elected. Because, you know, it's not just enough, hey, I'm I'm for Medicare for all, too, or I have a nice life story. If you're not willing to actually go in there and play hardball and be hated, Sh- Shama Sawant said, if they don't hate you, you ain't doing it right. Mm. So uh, smash that like button. I'll read Super Chats at the end. Um, it is Martin Luther King Day. Obviously, this is the day. that Obviously, most- that's why he got me on here with his racist <laughs> ass. Go ahead. Well, to be honest with you, I didn't want two white people uh, waxing poetic about MLK, so that's true. But- (laughs)
1: Afro Iranian here. He ain't called I, me.
0: all I, I week. I'm
1: white, but, but I'm Afro Iranian. My dad was black, but
3: oh, that's been a whole
1: other discussion.
3: I stand corrected. So I've been telling them all week. I've been trying to get in contact with them all week to talk about some shit. I ain't heard from them until today.
0: First of all, you haven't called me all week. Secondly, I, I texted. You, I told you to call me. When
3: I texted, I was in that you, yes, I texted I you yesterday. I texted you yesterday. You get a chance.
0: I'm sorry. I got a crying baby all day. I'm on two book I, deadlines. I, I, but you you you, you
3: okay. found time today, though. You had time today.
0: You're right. You're right. Thanks for calling me out. Um, well, I also called you to see if you, if you could host another day in time. So you know, it's not all. Oh, is that? Well, that's what I was having you call me.
3: That's what I right. was going to discuss. That's not. But well, well, talk it wasn't about it that often. important to you. Martin
0: Luther um, King is though. Go ahead. Ty, obviously, you. It's important to you. You have a tattoo of MLK. Uh, for those that don't know, uh, I don't know. To me. I certainly don't want to pretend to be like the expert, but I know enough to know. The media likes to focus on, I have a dream. Can I Can I?
3: Can I, can I, can I say, hold on before we start? Sure. As white women in my life, I'm gonna need you to stop, please. I have this girl. Oh boy. <laughs> <laughs> Let me tell you, this nothing ass heifer. She sends me a memo this morning. $5 saying happy MLK day. I'm trying to do my part. When I tell you I cussed this half out. Bro, what are you talking about? I sent you the $5 back like who raised you? Come on, man. Come on, man. I'm trying to do my <laughs> Erica, if you don't stop, I ain't gonna say your last name because I. You okay with me? But this is why you be pissing me off, because that's dumb. What was that supposed to be reparations? Anyway, go ahead. White women,
0: cut it out. So I'm
3: still in the t two over here.
0: <laughs> so she sent you like money for? Yeah, pay- she sent
3: me. She sent me a vent.
0: I don't know what I'm more offended by that she sent you money or only five dollars. Like that's, no, that's your
3: just, worth. It, that,
0: <laughs> no, that she sent me money, dumbass. I don't want
3: nobody, ain't nobody ever told me happy Marlon. Shut the fuck up, stop virtue signaling.
0: It's oh, good. I agree, but if I'm gonna send you money like insensitively, I'm not gonna send you five dollars. Yeah, like, what's no, that she, gonna she get?
3: She's stupid, bro. She's just stupid, homie. You know what I'm saying? And I'm and I'm not as upset because I know how slow she is. It's, it's kind of funny, but it's it's so it's 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 absurd, it's it's crazy. I couldn't believe it. I'm like.
0: <sighs> Bro, well, I've, I've, I feel better now uh, based on all the insensitive things I've done uh, when we're on the road together so.
3: I don't, 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 don't get me started but.
0: Uh, so I wanted to ask because I feel like the media basically does the I have a dream and you know uh, Martin Luther King's civil rights accomplishments uh, they don't often talk about why he was in Memphis uh, when he was killed uh, what he was mm. talking about Uh, when, uh, when he, not, not just, uh, when he was assassinated, but the last couple months, year of his life, uh, the things he was talking about, um, they kind of leave out that part. Uh, they don't tend to talk about the FBI at all Mm -hmm. and what the FBI did with MLK. Uh, Zayna put together, not put, sent me this, uh, Colin, if you haven't, the 11 most anti-capitalist quotes from Martin Luther King Jr., And this was an article uh, Katie Halper did on uh, Common Dreams. But uh, number one, I imagine you already know that I am much more socialistic in my economic theory than capitalistic. Uh, Started out with a noble and high motive. Capitalism started out with a noble and high motive. But like most human systems, it fell victim to the very thing it was revolting against. You took the article off. Did I? No. No. Uh, So today, capitalism has outlived its usefulness. So that was a letter to his wife, uh, Coretta Scott. Uh, In a sense, you could say we're involved in the class struggle. That was a quote to the New York Times he gave. Uh, This is a speech at the uh, Southern Christian Leadership Conference in Atlanta. Uh, And one day we must ask the question, why are there 40 million poor people in America? And when you begin to ask that question, you are raising questions about the economic system, about a broader distribution of wealth. When you ask that question, you begin to question the capitalistic economy. And I'm simply saying that more and more we've got to begin asking questions about the whole society. I'm just saying he was assassinated when he started talking like this. Uh, he was not assassinated uh, f- just for the civil rights uh, discussion and, uh, you know, obviously. Are uh, really really admirable and inspiring speeches. Uh, your thoughts, Ty? I mean,
3: okay. Don't clam up. Yeah, well, no. Because because the thing is, yeah, okay. I think it was a multiple thing. Yeah, they they don't talk about it because they don't agree with it. But I think I don't know if your argument is that they killed him because his his message was more economic than social. Um, I think it. Was, I, I, I think. I think it was both. I think it was his influence. Period. Overall, that they felt that they needed to get him out of the way because they knew that whatever it was that he wanted to push forward, that it was a good chance that it would go forward because of how much influence that he had. You know what I'm saying? I don't. Yep. I don't think that they started to zero in more um, when because I don't think the economic um, part of his disposition was ever absent. I think he's always been for it because black people have always been at, the, at at the low end, trying to get a trying to just get housing without rats and roaches or something that doesn't have a, a, a leaky roof. So I don't think his his message has ever been absent without the economic part. I think what was what was happening is that when you're economically well, and you have someone that's talking about a few things, the thing that's gonna stick out the most is the is, is kind of the physical thing that's gonna affect you right now in the media. And that's uh um uh, 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 uh the integration of schools, that's uh allowing people to live in close proximity to each other as two different races, being okay with two different races, um, you know, being together, getting married, and things like that. Those are the things that that, that would seem immediate to anybody that's against all that, and that will kind of cover that. That would kind of like shadow the economic part, so maybe people didn't pay attention to it as much. But I don't think his message has ever been um, absent. The economic part has never been absent from his message,
0: period. I, th- I think, I guess what I was getting at, not just him, but also Malcolm X and others, uh, you, look at, you look at uh, Cointel Pro. I, I, think, I, I, don't, I, don't, I think I'm pronouncing it
3: right.
0: Cointel Pro? Cointel Pro. Uh, my, my, yeah.
3: If y'all can see it. It's Malcolm X and Martin Luther King. Yeah. And it's a man hanging from a tree. And it says, never take for granted the sacrifices made for you.
0: That's... When did you get that? I know you've showed me before. I, uh, 2009,
3: 2008, 2009. It was right before I started at USC. So it was mm. yeah, 2009.
0: I guess what I was getting at is you look at Cointel Pro, uh, what they did to Malcolm X, um, Martin Luther King. They, When they talked about bringing white and black people together, specifically uh, Martin Luther King talked about that, Malcolm X talked about that, uh, and they talked about class, Ob- obviously they weren't for his talk on civil rights equality, but I feel like particularly the FBI on Malcolm X, uh, that's when they kind of their threat level got escalated nice. uh, in terms of these civil rights leaders um, not that they were for or okay with uh, the civil rights movement, but I think when they were trying to bring together class uh, between poor white people, poor black people, um, to me that is when the government, uh, behind the scenes, the government infiltration, surveillance, hell, FBI sent a letter to MLK trying to get him to commit suicide. Uh, yeah, how
3: long did they filibuster the, the, um, the Civil Rights Act? Uh, Yeah, they didn't want it they for a long time. It took a minute before that passed, they filibustered the shit out of that motherfucker. I just watched a documentary on that, like last year, and they really went in because I think it was like the same time around um that those girls they was pouring all that, that acid in the water, was getting the black girls up out of the pool and shit. It was all all that was like around the same time and shit. But no, they filibustered the um uh that bill for a minute before it got through. I'm talking about even um. Longer. I'm not sure how long it was, but it was a while before it passed. Right.
1: And MLK had started. He kind of started playing ball for for just a little bit, you know, and and, and then he he came back around to his heat, you know, um, but it never fully left him. But, you know, he kind of left the letters from the Birmingham jail fire of, you know, we don't we can't pick ourselves up by bootstraps if we don't have boots. Yeah. But today we're going to see all these damn tweets about, you know, the the content of our character, you know, um, not the color of our skin. When it it ignores the history that MLK was covering, he was he was calling for reparations. When he was shot, he was calling for reparations. He was calling for the next step Mm -hmm. of anti anti uh, uh, racist legislation, pro black legislation, black empowerment. He was calling for that when he was shot. So I do hear this binary of, you know, it's because he was focusing on social issues and bringing white and black people together, which I, I don't disagree, Jordan. I mean, that's one of the reasons that the Battle of Blair Mountain that's one of the reasons they were shooting people down there in, in Kentucky and West Virginia when we were, you know, when Appalachians were, were going up the at the Battle of Blair Mountain is because there was, you know, we were fighting for both economic and racial justice. But at the same time, the racism is just as much a part of why I believe he was killed as it was the economic. You know, I don't think you can't separate those two. People keep trying to separate right now, especially on the left. And I'm not saying that's what you were jo- doing, Jordan. But Ty, you've probably seen this shit. There's yeah. all always- Rhetoric right now, trying to separate, they're trying to say it's a class struggle. We can't talk about identity politics, we can't talk about racism, yeah. we can't talk about sexism, we yeah. can't talk about misogyny, we can't talk yeah. about you know any kind of rights. Um, because they're trying to boil it down to economic reductionism. Yeah. And yeah. Martin Luther King was fighting for both.
3: Both, period, point blank. See, if, if you ain't black, you probably don't get it, or if you ain't another motherfucker that had that had a hard time in this country, you don't get it because My, me, like, identity politics. You gotta understand. I get followed around the store because of my identity. I get pulled over when I see a police behind my, behind me. I take my hat off and act with the two and the ten with my thing on because I'm black and I know how they feel about me. They're not, they're not, they're not wondering anything else but my color. My identity colors my experience in this country. So to try to, to 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 try to like separate that, say no, we not on that. Like we got to be on that because that's what this country is. We have not been better than that. Period. This is what the country's been. Can't get redlining because of my identity. Can't get a, a small business loan because of my identity. Period. That's why other motherfuckers can come to this country from other countries and get small business loans because it's about how they feel about me due to all the rhetoric that's been going on throughout the country throughout the years of of this country so doing i know what they're doing when they try to take out identity politics and things like that but when you do that you ignore black people's experience because motherfuckers or even let's like, so you can think about like uh Like uh, uh, Mexicans, Salvadorians, anybody, you know, South American and that shit. Like you think what's happening to them, what's going on is nothing, anything to do other than they motherfucking identity, bro? That's happening because of that? Because we get a whole lot of motherfuckers that come from Asia. I think even more that come from Asia, uh, uh, immigrants than that come from South America. They don't say shit, we get a whole lot that come from Russia what you think it has to do with why are we zeroing in on them come on now just wanna... the same shit with what happened when Trump first came in office and he knocked out all all those countries that couldn't come in in there all of them looked the same right it was their identity he didn't do Saudi Arabia that's where the motherfuckers flew out of
1: he did Iran my family my family members I had two of them was trying to come over here and they couldn't you know, when I was little, I was seven years old. We drove into the wrong town in Kentucky, I guess. You know, um, they kicked out, they pulled my dad over. They kicked out his back tail light. He had a little Corvette, <laughs> a little like a uh, silver Corvette. We weren't rich, but that was like his uh, his baby, you know, it had some rust on it or whatever. But they pulled him over and, you know, they saw not only was he black, he was, you know, he had an Iranian last name, you know, uh, he had a Muslim name. They kicked the shit out of him and kicked out his taillights so that they had a reason to kick the shit out of him and basically told him to not come back. And it's in and, and the following around in the stores and everything. I remember, you know, my dad started stealing when I was younger because he got followed around so much. He was like, fuck it. I'm just going to take the shit. And he All ended right. up in the prison industrial complex for 20 years. He almost died in there and he died in a puddle behind a restaurant where he suffocated to death. So, you know, when people are talking about this shit of economics is decoupled from, they don't understand poverty. I'm Appalachian too. It's It's been impacting us here in Appalachia for hell and ever. It's not, there's no decoupling of the identities. You know, we're dumbass, hick, rednecks that don't have shoes and teeth, right? Nobody wants to hire us or give us a job. Um, it's the same, it, it's not, it, it's, Not the same kind of thing. That's not what I'm saying at all. It's that where you're from and your zip code and the color of your skin does determine your economic circumstances. And that is one of the major points MLK kept repeating that over and over and over again. And I think that's what got him killed.
3: And you can't look at motherfuckers that wiggle through. It's a whole lot of people. Yeah, they they was able to wiggle through, but the vast majority is still in the shit. They still living fucked up. That's why you don't see a whole lot of people marching for fucked up water in, in Flint or seeing what's going on uh, with any type of legislation that you feel like, damn, why why black people ain't like this is for them? Why they not doing it? Because I got to figure out how I'm going to feed my kids and I got to figure out how to keep the light on them. Shit is so bad, I can't even focus on nothing else because I got to worry about what's happening right now, day to day with my family. So I can't even get into all that other stuff that's going on over there. And it's because of my identity that I couldn't get along, that, that I was born poor because my father and them couldn't get along. Or because maybe my father and them was, came up and they started making money, Black Wall Street, and then motherfuckers came and took it and tore it down. That was because of their identity. Period.
1: They got to have people working in these places to keep the engines running for them so that they can, you know, keep people pumping their gas or working in the factories or or doing doing the low wage jobs. Yeah. So I'll, so they 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 keep us there.
0: I want to also just to clarify. I was talking about the media how the media mainly focuses on the civil rights stuff they tend not to want to talk about his economic legacy. Uh, but also Are you,
3: are you saying it because like Uh, the mainstream media as far as like the left and shit like that like they don't know cnn doesn't
0: want cnn doesn't want to talk about that he was out there for the sanitation workers they don't want to talk about they they also (laughs) fail to mention his historic speech at riverside church against the vietnam war they leave that out as
3: far as economics the left and the right are on the same page
0: because to me i have it's bothered me for a long time particularly on the left there's been this wing of leftists that say no no it's not about race it's about class and th- you can't i agree you cannot separate yeah. the two and most people who say it's not about race it's about class are white people yeah. <laughs> those are me, most sort of the people saying listen. that let me say but that, i just let me, cut tie let me let me i just want to share one story which which I think most white people who are in tune with themselves understand they have privilege. But when like, I, I guess had the light bulb moment, I already, I, I, I saw things in my life that showed inequality and um, racism. But I remember when we were arrested and they were putting on a uh, zip tie, like zip tie uh, cuffs around most people. So they put, zip tie cuff they arrested the journalists first it was it was me you and a couple other journalists they arrested this was in st louis we were covering a black lives matter protest and they arrested us for for bullshit reasons anyway they put zip ties around me and then he the cop took like an effort to bring out real cuffs for you and that's when i was like holy shit because i looked around and the other journalists were all white i'm white and they had zip ties but he brought real cuffs out for you and that's yeah. that was just so. Um, I hate to say it, just mind. I shouldn't have been surprised, but it was just mind yeah. blowing for me to see yeah. that
3: and he was probably pissed off too. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, you said some things. I was popping it. I was popping yeah. it. He, <laughs> I, he 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 clipped them things so tight. I almost apologized to the nigga. I'm like, oh my bad, bro. <laughs> yeah. he had them so tight. Because you know when you got when you got handcuffs, what happens is if y'all ever been arrested, I've been arrested a few but the more you move the more it tightens up the more you try to move it'll slowly tighten up and if it's already tight when you move i mean it, it was it was like piercing through my skin by the, by by the time we got to the station but um i'll say this though there's some truths like like two things can be true in the same time right like it can be uh, a class issue and a race issue they both can be true because there are poor whites but i think that the the thing is white people have been so comfortable with just being white that they even ignored the shit that was happening to them they would ignore the shit that was happening to them to go against what black people was trying to fight for even though the same shit was happening to them but they were, they were, they, they were in their whiteness that they didn't want to try to relate to that. You know what I'm saying? And yeah. so um it is a race thing. We're gonna shut you down, but we also gonna shut you down. But what we're gonna do is we're gonna we're gonna manipulate them with their whiteness and say, but y'all, no, they're trying to take all the things we wanna give, y'all, they're trying to take it. So get at them. You know what I'm saying? So I think, I think both of those things can be true. That is, is racism and classism because poor whites get fucked over too. It's just that they've been so comfortable in their whiteness that they never really tried to fight for it because we would fight for it and there would be the more anti-nigger than they would be anti-government or, and, and trying to get their shit back. You gotta think about it. The reason that, I think the reason that uh, September 6th was so, they did so much and they and, and and they felt they felt like they can do whatever because it ain't really been no time where white people had to like go and protest. If you think about the white protesters were all anti-black protesters. anytime white people went out, it was to to, to counter what black people were doing. So they didn't really have. They had a few like the labor movement back in a, during the turn of the century and things like that. But they didn't really have a life where they were always protesting. Trying it was like their only protests were anti-black, where they would go counter a black protest. So now when they're finally like, oh, they fucking our money over too. They went. They 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 overdid it and all that shit happened because they wasn't used to. You know what I'm saying?
0: Mm-hmm. Um. I promised my wife I'd only do an hour and a half because I got a newborn. So I want to sneak in. I want to sneak in uh, one. yeah. I want to sneak in uh, something with Biden. Uh, Get your guys thoughts. So Biden, uh, obviously, MLK Day, uh, you know, had to wax poetic. Uh, Colin, if you could uh, bring up the clip uh, with Biden saying uh, the idea that we're supposed to remain silent.
5: The idea if we can hold a second here, the idea that we're supposed to remain silent on the on, on, on the abuses of the past as they didn't as if they didn't occur that's not being woke that's being honest that's talking about history
0: so uh, I think he's talking he about made a, he made a mistake. what are we doing what?
3: Oh, I thought you were talking about what he said.
0: No, he, I'm saying he's referring to critical race theory, yeah. uh, and be it, you know what he said, I don't have a problem with. But I kind of have a problem because he's talking about uh, let's let's reckon with the past and America's uh-huh. uh, you know original sin. Let's oh. not forget the Native Americans yeah. either. Uh, Tell him to be the
3: change he want to see in the world and give us some reparations.
0: But but. <laughs> Colin can, play, Colin, can we play? They uh, all it. Colin, can we play that? Can we play that same man in 2016 when asked about his crime bill?
2: Another thing about how uh, perspectives change over time. Bobby Rush, member of Congress, said the other day, "I'm ashamed that I voted for the '94 crime bill." You ashamed of
5: that bill? Not at all. Um, in fact, I drafted the uh, CNBC it clip. I know that.
0: And by the way. <laughs> Pop it.
3: What? I wrote it. What
0: you talking Colin, about? It's minor. Colin, can you, can you play it again? Uh, there was an issue.
2: Another thing about how uh, perspectives change over time. Bobby Rush, member of Congress said
5: the other day, I'm ashamed that I voted for the 94 crime bill. You ashamed of that bill? Not at all. Um, and in fact, I drafted the bill as you remember. I know that. And by the way, we talk about this mostly in terms of black lives matter. Black lives really do matter. But the problem is institutional racism in America. That's the overarching problem that still exists. And we should be talking about it. And you look at it, the, the legacy of racism in housing and jobs and so on. So, but having said that, if you take a look at the crime bill, of the money in the crime bill, the vast majority went to reducing sentences, diverting people from going to jail for drug offenses into what I, I came up with, drug courts, mm-hmm. providing for boot camps instead of sending people to prison so you didn't relearn whatever the bad thing that you know got you there in the first place. Put 100,000 cops in the street. When community policing was working, neighborhoods were not only safer but they were more harmonious and what when the reason why the cops originally opposed my hundred thousand cops for this community policing mm-hmm. piece is because it's high intensive and it means they got to get out of their cars mm-hmm. so they literally got out of their cars and learned who owned the local drugstore, the local neighborhood uh, bar whatever and they were engaged in the neighborhood which built confidence so that the woman, the African American woman living in a corner alone where the drug deal's going down in front of her house knows she literally used to have your phone number as a cop. She'd call you and say, John, they're out in front of my house, but you're not gonna, you're not giving me away, right, John? No. And it didn't. So we had enormous success. Now what's happened is we've cut the funding 85%. We've gone out there and, and we're going through Baltimore now. Look at the areas we're going through here. I'll lay you
0: so, uh, yeah, the man today who said we need to reckon with the past said, "Yeah, no, it was great and it didn't it didn't uh, create mass incarceration. It actually helped divert people. Uh, I could just anecdotally. I remember in 2016, I was down in South Carolina uh, for the primary and I went to a barber shop and interviewed uh, the barber and customers and stuff. And they were telling me how the crime bill devastated uh, their community and it built Two or three jails within like a couple miles. Uh, and that was just one area in South Carolina. I'm sure there were others. Uh, uh took fathers it, out the home, made people
3: get they 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 created a thing called uh uh um uh the murder, murder felony rule. Like I got two brothers, you know, I got two brothers is doing life right now. Mm-hmm. um and both of them were in there for the same murder that they didn't do i just got a homeboy that just got out 22 years he got out in 2019 that he was in there for a murder that he didn't do in the innocence project finally got him out but he was in there since motherfucking 90 when i last time i saw him 97 so i think he was in in 98 that he went to jail so um to and that's just me and i can tell you about some of my partners like a whole lot of niggas has been in jail because of that crime bill and doing and, and doing stuff just for uh not even they didn't do those murders, but but even non non violent charges like drugs, like you know what I'm saying? If you ain't willing to reckon with what you did, but right then he probably was like, you know, maybe he was like, I'm gonna run in 2016. I don't know. So he was just being political. But to say that, you know, you can't, but that's the thing, right? When a motherfucker don't really believe nothing in their heart. They're going to always say something different because it this this, this ain't really in their heart. This ain't really what they stand on. You know what I'm saying? So they're going to say anything and then lie and say that they didn't say. It. That's why we catch so many people in lies because they operate. These motherfuckers been in, in Congress since the 80s. So they're not used to motherfuckers having cameras and be able to go back to them and be like, no, you th- this is what you said right here. They can't hide stuff, but they're so used to lying and not being honest and not standing on their word or not even really having anything that they're fighting for to actually mean something. Because the truth don't... You you don't have to rehearse the truth. It's right there. It's what happened. Or it's how I feel. You know what I'm saying? So, I mean... It it means nothing to me. It means nothing to me. If you want to do something, be the change you want to see in the world. Nigga, you the president of the motherfucking United States of America. You can you can you can sponsor a bill that 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 has to do with reparations if you give a fuck about it. And then use your bully pulpit to pressure motherfuckers to go with it. That's in that's that's on your side of the party. And he, he has the nerve
1: yeah, he has the nerve to say that it's not, that that institutionalized systemic racism is the problem. The crime bill is one of the bellwether <laughs> institutional racist policies of the modern era. I mean, Locker. it privatized the prison system. It, it expanded the bell bond system. It expanded... Um, it expanded the um the time served um for drug crimes. He's bullshitting about how people got out earlier and there were reform reprimat- bullshit. Yeah, bullshit. It expanded the time people yes. serve. It expanded yeah. um and 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 also it privatized our prisons. It expanded our police state. It created quotas for in arresting people to fill up those prisons that the crime bill paid for and they were targeting black neighborhoods to do so while at the same time they were they were putting you know drugs like crack cocaine out on the streets the cia was putting drugs on our streets to fill up the prisons that they just privatized if that's not institutionalized racism, what the hell is? It's one of the most known and well-documented. In- and then he gets in, and then he gives all this leftover COVID money after he encouraged states not to spend the money, right? And I was like, I bet he's going to spend that money on the police. I bet he's going to use all that leftover COVID money he's going to tell states to expand the police. What did he do? He told states, okay, let's expand the police. And then and he some of
0: those he states expand, exp- uh, you- some of those states use the money for uh, uh, new prisons.
1: Yeah. Wow. I yeah think it's- expanded the po- the police state has been expanded and industrialized. Ty, check it out if you haven't. We've covered Stop Cop know. City. Maybe that's something yeah. that you could organize around. Um, and they are actually building a helipad for Black Hawk helicopters down in Atlanta, the biggest um, police industrial complex in the country. It's in Atlanta, is
3: called, called Stop support. Cop City? Yeah. Stop,
1: Top City. They're yeah. tearing down a, an indigenous forest there to build the biggest complex in American history, the biggest police-industrial complex, um, and okay. it's even got a helipad, you know, for Black Hawk hel- helicopters. And they're talking about using it for models for other cities. So that uh, we've we've been covering that here at Status Coup, and and so to talk about and talk about the crime bill when some of that money is still coming from legacy crime bill holdover um, is is just. I don't know.
0: It pisses me off. That's all. There's also there's also there's also there's also I mean, you're never going to hear any of these white commentators today, or banks, or you know, woke corporations that are throwing out like nice little niceties on MLK Day. You ain't going to talk about. You ain't going to hear them ever talk about or ever do anything. You want to talk about Biden can push a bill. Uh, most of the corporate pollution in this country are dumped into black and brown mm-hmm. communities in this yeah. country. Ty, we went to East Chicago, yeah. Indiana, which is yeah. like 40 minutes from Chicago, where they had a lead smelting plant dumped on a on a low income uh, project. 99%.
3: The projects I was raised in was built on the plant. They had to tear down in 2008 and enforce yep. and, and everybody out of there in Compton, Ujima Village and everybody that's from there. They know. Everybody yep. had to move. It's it's just a flat land. I was just over there when I was at home uh, during the holiday. It's 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 just a park. It's a part of Willowbrook Park. Martin's called Magic Johnson Park now, but it's just part of the park. Just flat land. This is so that's like essentially it tore down my entire childhood. You know what I'm saying? But but I had homeboys that had cancer in their 20s that died, and we just started with just some random until we found out because they tried to sell the projects for a million dollars, and they would test the ground and say, oh, this is in livable. And I've been there since we moved there in 82.
0: Yeah, it's uh, literally they pretty much have moved uh, chemical plants, uh, heavy heavy metal plants, uh, landfills, you name it, where they're dumping toxic shit or sealing toxic shit. Uh, It's dumped on the backs of black and brown communities. Uh, Look at. That you never hear about this. A lot of the areas that they like to pontificate, you know, Bill O'Reilly and Fox like to talk about Chicago. Well, Chicago has got some of the highest lead in, lead rates in the country yep. in terms of lead in the water, uh, lead paint. You know what lead does to the Plus, human brain? Mm-hmm. Not just for black people, white people, anybody, anybody. Uh, It makes you it makes you have volatile mood swings, which could lead to crime. There's been research on this. Uh, So people aren't you know, some crime is because people are desperate and have no opportunity. But there's a lot of crime that happens because people have heavy metal poisoning. And that's happened in Chicago and many other. I could go down the list of other institutional, systemic, racist things that are brought to you by United Corporations of America, Joe Biden, of course, the Republicans that you'll never hear. And they don't have a holiday. So, uh, yeah, we'll we'll keep on covering it. Also, reminder, uh, put it in your calendar now, Saturday and Sunday, January 28th and 29th. We're going to have a mega weekend stream, uh, Saturday 12 noon to 3 o'clock Eastern time, Sunday noon to 3 o'clock Eastern time. We're going to have Nina Turner, Marianne Williamson, Francis Fisher, who's uh, acting in a new film about Standing Rock, Christian Small, Stephen Donzinger. I got uh, requests out to others. Uh, Oyeme, I f- w- sorry, last name, Zena.
1: Oleme O'Loran. She's a uh, badass. Yeah,
0: <laughs> Oleme O'Loran, she'll be on. Chuck Modi will be on. Uh, we're going to, Ty maybe will join us. Uh, Zena, Tina, Ron. Uh, we're going to uh, talk about 2023, uh, politics, organizing, movement building, raise some money, because that is cool needs to raise money. Also, uh, we're currently talking about sending Lewis to the border uh, because there's a lot of talk about the border crisis. And I think it's mostly from a conservative slash neoliberal perspective. So we want to get down there and show you what's actually going on on the border. Also cover it, I think, from a leftist perspective, because what you don't hear in corporate media is why the hell these people are fleeing their countries in large part because of what America has done to those countries, uh, like Nicaragua, um, uh, um, Guatemala, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, So uh, we're going to try to send Lewis down to the border. That is expensive. Uh, We're going to have to get him a a translator as well. Uh, So please, please support us. If you can, I know uh, not everyone has it, but if you can support us as a member that's our our main uh, model. StatusCoup.com/slash/join. You can become a member. El Salvador, yes. Thank you for uh, mentioning. Don't forget, that you got to do
3: the super chats.
0: I'm gonna. Uh, you can become a member at StatusCoup.com/slash/join for as low as five to ten bucks a month. Uh, that's how we grow. That's how we fund the on the ground reporting. Uh, we also have expanded, as you can see. So uh, Zena, uh, Ron, Tina, Kim, Lewis, Colin. I mean. A lot of mouths to feeds and uh, we don't have any money from the big banks, the fossil fuckers, big pharma, big real estate, Silicon Valley or the military industrial complex. Uh, No sugar daddies for the Democrat or Republican Party are funding us. Uh, You're funding us. So please, if you can uh, support us, statuscoup.com slash join, Uh, become a member for as low as five bucks a month. Also, you could go right now to statuscoup.com slash donate. So that big weekend, uh, those big weekend shows we're doing are going to be fundraising drives. we're going to be trying to raise money. Our goal is $15,000. So far, we've raised $550 uh, through this fundraiser. So if you can, any amount makes a difference. StatusCoup.com slash donate. StatusCoup.com slash donate. If you can't, totally understand. But if you can, it's we don't just talk the talk. We walk the walk. It's for on the ground reporting. As Zaina mentioned, we've been covering cop city. I spoke with Tina about sending her to Georgia to cover the cop city movement, which again is a protest movement to try and stop this mega uh, police uh, center uh, that they would literally cut, essentially put it right in an indigenous forest. So right now there are a uh, environmental activists, um, and other activists protesting in a forest to stop this. So we want to send, uh, Tina there. Uh, obviously I'm going to get back on the ground uh, as soon as I can. I got a two month old, so it's going to take me a little bit to get back on the ground. Uh, so fatherhood is wonderful. Uh, I don't remember what sleep is, but, um, it's definitely good. Also public service announcement. Uh, I did today get an offer from a publisher. I don't know if I'm going to take it, but I do have one offer. So that's, 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 step in the right direction. Uh, I've been working on a book and uh, I've been sending out my proposal to publishers and I got my first offer today. We'll see if I take it. Uh, I I don't wanna say too much, but progress. All right, thanks everybody. Uh, I'll see you back here tomorrow, five o'clock Eastern. Have a good night.